Good morning. Good morning. We have a new Patreon tier. It's Listen Live. I think that's a, a good little option if anyone wants to get on our Patreon. What do you think? Good incentive for someone to finally check out our page after, what, almost a year? We've had patrons come and go. Some of them <laughs> may or may not have been co-hosts of the show at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that counts. So, Angela Arantz has left, and I think that's probably the biggest news of the last couple of weeks. I mean, it hasn't been the quickest news week. I mean, we haven't really had any new products or anything, but you get that every now and then. Uh, And into her shoes is Deidre O'Brien, who Mm -hmm. was the SVP of People, otherwise known as Human Resources by (laughs) most other companies and the rest of the world. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Have you got any theories as to why Angela has left? Because in typical fashion, uh, that's not a pun, in typical fashion, they, you know, they don't have any rock solid explanation given as to why she's gone. Uh, maybe Tim Cook decided to kick her out after she insisted we call uh, Apple stores Groves. Just thought that was such a ridiculous <laughs> idea that <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> Did they actually name them groves, or did they just fill them up with trees? Uh, there was a keynote a couple years ago, and it wasn't all stores, but the Apple stores with like big open spaces were called. They said they're calling those their groves now instead of Apple stores. Did you ever visit one of the groves? No, the nearest Apple store to me is like two hours away, and it's a really small one, like in a strip mall. It's not a fancy Apple store or anything. Well, yeah, I'm not sure the Apple Groves ever made it to Australia, at least not in my city. But I have visited a Grove. I can't remember where it was. I think it might have been New York or Chicago. And um, it was nice. It's nice inside. You know, it's quite green. Uh, You've got little balls to sit on rather than chairs. Everyone's just kind of (laughs) floating around trying to help you. (laughs) I was there during a fairly quiet time. Um, So... I can't imagine what it was like when it was busy. I imagine it would have been a little less uh, structured, more difficult to find people. And they even had like this whole outdoor section, which it was raining, so I wasn't able to to really check it out. But Mm -hmm. it certainly looked nice. But when it comes to practicality, I can't imagine it being practical. Well, I've gotten in the habit now of, I don't even, unless I'm buying something big and have to get it from the back, uh, I've gotten pretty efficient at uh, using the Apple Store app to do my transactions. So I just, like I bought my my uh, new band for my Apple Watch a few weeks ago, and I walked in the store, went to the back of the store, uh, grabbed the band off the shelf, and then walked out the door. And by the time I'd walked out the door, I had finished the transaction on my Apple Store app on my phone. So didn't have to talk to anyone, and it was about as fast as an experience could be, which I really appreciate in a crowded store like that. Did you challenge yourself? How can I finish this transaction before my feet are out the door? Like, do you grab it off? Yes, the shelf I and did. Walk directly to the door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was actually curious, like, how close I could cut it without someone like trying to stop me or something. Uh, but I had like it was like scanning my face ID to authorize the transaction, like as I was approaching the door. So it couldn't have been any closer, and no one said a word. So. I think the few times I've tried it, I typically have had to show like the receipt that you get in the app to security as I was leaving the store. 
It's oh, been really? a while since I've tried it, yeah. My understanding of it was that they received a notification that a purchase had been made, uh, but also maybe just no one noticed me. I don't know. Mm. Was your store fairly quiet at the time? Like, would they have seen you and been able to pick you out as someone doing... What's the what's it called? Easy Pay or... Uh, I'm not sure what the name is exactly. Something like that. Okay. Uh, the store is... I mean, it's a, a by Apple Store standards, it's a very small store. And it's about as busy as any Apple store is. So it's actually kind of especially crowded because it's such a small space. So maybe that helped me sneak out, <laughs> potentially <laughs> stealing a band. But uh, either that or they just really noticed that I was holding my phone up to scan face ID as I was walking out. And they're like, oh, this guy's paying and didn't worry about <laughs> it. No, mate, I'm just texting someone. Look what I've stolen from the Apple store. <laughs> <laughs> There was, I remember when Apple first uh, launched this uh, self-service checkout, uh, especially Apple stores and malls, like people were getting uh, grabbed by security because they thought they were stealing them. Like not the Apple store security, but just mall security would see them walking out with stuff like that. Uh, Okay. But that was years ago. Because you don't really get a bag or anything to put it in, so you could well have just picked it off the shelf. Right. Um, other initiatives introduced by Angela include Today at Apple. Have you ever mm-hmm. been to one of those sessions? Uh, no, I never have. Have you? I have. I took my younger brother, he's quite a lot younger than me, but half my age, to a coding workshop. One of the uh, Swift, uh, what is it? Oh, cool. Swift Playgrounds. Yeah. Uh, Today at Apple workshops. It was underwhelming is how I would describe it. Oh, really? I Yeah. Basically, it was drag and drop uh, functions that were named like dance robot left arm, dance robot right arm or whatever into whatever order you wanted. And it was connected to one of those, um, like, I'm not sure what they're called, those robots that talk to Swift Playgrounds. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. But you would just drop the these pre-named functions, of which there's no insight into how they worked, into an order, and then click play, and your robot would dance in front of you. It did seem more like a gimmick than an actual coding uh, workshop or tutorial. So I was underwhelmed, and I haven't been back to another one. Although I did plan to check some out, just never got around to it. Did you feel that way just... As someone who works in tech, or was your younger brother also very underwhelmed by the experience? He was also underwhelmed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If anyone's going to like dancing robots, it's a twelve-year-old boy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's uh, too bad to hear. I've heard their uh, some of their art and photography classes are pretty good, but I don't know. Software is something pretty hard to teach in thirty-minute time frame or whatever it is. Yeah, that's right. I think the ones where you get out of the store, such as those photography walk-arounds, would, yeah. uh, especially the ones where you do it with actual photographers that come in rather than just uh, Apple retail employees. Mm-hmm. Well, what's what's really interesting to me about uh, Deirdre is the fact that she's been working at Apple since 1988. So very shortly after uh, the introduction of the original Macintosh... And, like, immediately after Steve Jobs left the company, 
she joined. So she's been around through a lot. She's seen Apple. I mean, when she joined, Apple was pretty much at a peak, and then they declined for the next decade or so until Steve Jobs came back, and then she saw them really rise to greatness. Um, she saw the birth of the Apple stores. So I feel like she's a really good fit. She's not an outsider, just uh, where did I end her from? Uh, J.C. Penney, I think, is where she came from. So it's really mm-hmm. nice that they're giving uh, someone internal more of a chance to take over this role. I'd really interested to see what she does with it. What do you think about having a dual role of retail plus people, as it's called? You think it could be too much on her plate now, or is people and retail so heavily linked that uh, it's not really double the workload? It's more like a like a one point three multiplier. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean retail. I can't imagine retail has to make up a majority of uh, Apple's employees. Um, so hopefully there's quite a bit of overlap there for her, but still the added responsibilities of managing new initiatives for Apple stores. I don't know. I think it's probably closer to double than a 1.3, but maybe there's enough overlap to make it easy for her. I don't know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing the return of the, I mean, the the Apple store that I used to remember where you could walk in and they would just kind of give you stuff. <laughs> that's uh, that's over saying it a little bit, but you could walk in with something broken and there was a decent decent chance that they would just kind of cop the bill and replace oh. your item. You know, yeah. Uh, over the last few years, I have certainly had fewer of those experiences. Actually, I've had none where you can take in something broken and they'll just, you know, yeah, we can see you're a good customer. Um, here, we'll just replace it for you for free. Yeah, you definitely did hear about that a lot more uh, five or six years ago than you hear about it now. Uh, of course, it still happens. I feel like you're transitioning into our next topic with that comment. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, they definitely don't do as much as they used to. Yeah, you picked the transition well. <laughs> <laughs> so the next topic is actually a self-post by dhangial 15 who says that Apple replaced his 2015 MacBook Pro with the 2018 MacBook Pro. So basically what I just said, he they took in their 2015 15-inch MacBook Pro because of the anti-reflective coating issue, which I have seen myself. It's It's just an ugly thing where you kind of lose the gloss in some parts of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it is under an extended four-year replacement program. And he's already had the display replaced two times. But anyway, this time the Apple Store, a senior rep, uh, gave him a 2018 MacBook Pro to replace it. And then there's a, a basically a whole thread about how the 2018 is worse than the 2015 <laughs> <laughs> which is a bit sad because it's it's really put a dampener on it on the yeah his in- excitement. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd say objectively, the 2018 is a better computer because all the internals. I mean, the, the only downside has got to be the keyboard. Everything else is going to be a better experience. Uh, well, that and the people complaining about ports, but ah, uh, yeah, I think the ports war has been lost, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's It feels very inconsequential to me. I've fully adjusted to USB-C at this point. Uh, I do carry the HDMI dongle around with me, the 3-in-1 with the 
USB-A port and HDMI and then the pass-through USB-C. And that's been more than enough for me. I've never needed anything else, but I'm sure people who are more pro users than me probably still have valid complaints about it. Yeah, port-wise, I mean, I've got the non-touch bar, so I'm stuck with two ports, but... I I do have the A dongle. It's not the Apple one that converts USB-C to, to USB-A, HDMI, com, uh, TransFlash and SD card um, it, without even a USB-C pass-through uh, because I think that significantly increased the price of the dongle from memory. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I get by with those two ports and uh, occasionally used adapter. Yeah, it's that... It's not so bad. I mean, the only things I ever plug my computer into are power, and occasionally I plug in, like, my iPad Pro as a secondary display, and I have a USB-C to lightning cable for that. So the only times I ever use my adapter are if, for some reason, someone wants to transfer me a file on a flash drive, which is very rare, but other than that, I have no need for it, really. So I saw you selling a number of things on uh, the Apple Swap, Apple Swap <laughs> subreddit the other week. Yeah. <laughs> Have I you upgraded pick some up more that. things? Or? Uh, I haven't upgraded yet. Uh, I anticipate upgrading soon, uh, but I wasn't using my my uh, my laptop or my iPad Pro very much at all. And I had recently made a large purchase. I got a car, and I decided that, eh, I just want some extra money floating around. I kind of spent a lot of my expendable income on getting this car, so I'm going to replenish my coffers a bit by selling these devices I don't use so much, Uh, with also the intention of upgrading them, because I'd already planned on upgrading in the future, so I just thought, I'll sell them now Mm -hmm. and then get my new upgrades later. So did you sell the thing that you were previously recording on, the MacBook Pro, and now you're on the iMac? Uh, No, I've always been... Well, since I set up the permanent recording studio in my new house i have just an imac that lives in that studio for recording i uh, gotcha okay. so yeah i didn't didn't mess with any of that yeah well you're pretty flush with devices weren't you <laughs> yeah well i had the ipad pro and the macbook pro i sold on the apple swap subreddit and then i had some smaller things that i didn't think i didn't know a good subreddit to fit so i just sold it on a local craigslist uh like a small windows laptop and uh a drone that I bought a year ago thinking I was going to use a lot and only flew like twice. So (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the story of 99% of drone purchases. Yeah. It's like, I flew it over the two interesting landmarks within a hundred miles of here. And I'm like, well now there's nothing interesting to see. So although now you've got the, um, I'm not sure the name of this car, but wouldn't it be cool to have the the drone follow you? Maybe do some, uh, cinematic, uh, car driving videos. (laughs) Uh, I guess possibly. Uh, The drone did have like a follow mode. I don't know how much I would trust it to follow me on a road and not run into a power line or something. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) at 130 miles an hour. (laughs) Yeah. But when I read this article, I immediately thought of you. I thought... This, this, they need to do this for James. He needs to go in with his keyboard again, and they need to say, all right, well, here's a 2018 model, since we apparently can't fix the one you have. The Probably not the the third most recent time I went into Apple, when I was talking to the genius guy, he was mm-hmm. actually making uh, like noises to that effect. It, he was 
what in what you're saying he's suggesting that they wanted to just replace my laptop completely with a new mm-hmm. model um you know sometimes they th- say things like oh yeah we realize you're not very happy with your laptop and they make noises like that right uh, you know apple customers shouldn't have to put up with this can't remember their words exactly mm-hmm. uh, and then he went out the back and if it had been five years ago i would have expected him to come out with like just a new laptop altogether whether mm-hmm. it was the 2018 or the 2016 i'm not sure uh, but anyway, <laughs> after like a good 10 minutes out the back, I can only assume he was arguing with a higher up. He came back and said, uh, we can we can blow it with some compressed air. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, that was aggravating to wait 10 well, minutes I to guess, hear that. Uh, it depends on uh, how, how comfortable you are with something like this, but... In your position, I would I would go in and kind of make a bigger stink about it. Like I've been in here three times or four times to get this replaced. You've done it multiple times. I'm still having the problems, and I want a more permanent solution than this. And I don't know. I guess that depends on how comfortable you are with making a scene like that. But I can make a scene. <laughs> Leave it to me. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. Maybe by the next time okay. we're recording, we'll see. Yeah, I guess I guess the problem is Apple likes to replace uh, computers with whatever their modern equivalent is that they're selling, and their modern equivalent of your computer is still your computer because <laughs> they haven't upgraded the touch bar model in so long. Ah, uh, good point. Yeah. yeah, although there was like a second gen or one point five gen butterfly keyboard in the twenty seventeen model computers, of which there is a non touch bar. I believe uh, it's not like the, I can't remember the names, but it's not the 2018 generation of, of butterfly keyboard. The third generation it? has the membrane. Yeah. Right. So it's a membraneless one in the 2017, right. but it is slightly better than the 2016 one. Maybe I get months out of it instead of weeks. Cause literally three <laughs> weeks is, is terrible. And then that's yeah. the last two keyboards I've had. That's completely unusable. Yeah. So, um, Apple has released the iOS 12.1.4, which is a slight bug fix to a small, tiny problem which no one really heard about, whereby (laughs) anyone could call anyone and listen to what their phone microphone heard without them agreeing (laughs) to it. Yeah. So, thankfully, it didn't take long for Apple. Well, it didn't take long once the news of that bug was widespread for them to turn off the group FaceTime services. And at that point, they said, later this week, we'll release an update to fix the problem. Uh, And then later that week, they said, we need a little bit longer, which is fair enough. Mm -hmm. The group FaceTime servers were still disabled at that point. Um, And then just a couple of days ago, maybe three days ago from now, um, Mm -hmm. they released iOS 12.1.4. And importantly, after turning the group FaceTime service back on, only 12.1.4 can make group FaceTime calls. So without the update, you can't do it. Right. Yeah, it's too bad it had to be a, an OS update and it wasn't a, a server-side fix because um, I'm sure there's some people that won't be aware and just suddenly that functionality is not going to work for them. Uh, but it's better fixed than them leaving people on older operating systems vulnerable. And it wasn't a fix that left anybody behind, was it? Right. Like, there's yeah. no one that was on 12.1.3 that can't update. 
Right. I'm sure there's just some people who don't bother with the incremental updates. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Although with the automatic updates, it's less and less likely that I find my family members, who is my sample size, um, right. sitting on like a something point zero, which used to happen all the time. You know, you get these complaints about bugs and you check their phone and it's like iOS 9.0. Oh, so <laughs> you haven't updated since the day it was released. No wonder. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, interesting to me as well. This this article is written by uh, Guy Rambo again and uh, apparently employed the use of his top secret uh, release monitoring software that a uh, 9to5Mac uses to detect when their Apple's about to make a release but hasn't officially made it public yet. Uh, that's really curious to me. I'm really interested how they do it. Of course, he refuses to to uh, share that secret, but it's impressive. My guess is that the update file is seeded to like content delivery networks and somehow they are seeing it appear there right before it's actually uh whatever little update it is that's you know sent to the phones yeah they just know uh exactly what url to look at and monitor which servers Mm -hmm. yeah yeah maybe they've got an inside person at akamai (laughs) yeah yeah there you go oh man can you imagine the fallout if someone at amazon was leaking apple's secrets that way they're not at war, though, are they, those two? Amazon and Apple? Ugh. If they're not at a war now, they would be. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll see more of a war once we get, like, the Apple video service uh, competing with Amazon Prime. So check that yeah. here in uh, six months or so. Does anyone actually use Amazon Prime? Does anyone use it? For video know. or for shipping? Uh, yeah, for, sorry, <laughs> the Prime video, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That and their music service. I've never seen anyone actually use it. I've never seen... I didn't actually know there was a music service, but I certainly know people using Amazon Prime. I think it's fairly popular in um, in Europe. Not so much oh, really? here. And I, yeah, I don't know about the States. Hmm. Um, but the people I know are in Europe who use it. Maybe the, it's one of the better options there. I'm not sure. Yeah, especially if uh, Netflix or Hulu has uh, region-locked content, maybe not as much available. Yeah, exactly. I know Prime was the way that you watched Game of Thrones, at least in Germany. Hmm. Okay. So, I think we, yeah, you had to you had to have a HBO Go account in the US to watch that. Right, and HBO is very, <laughs> very local to the United States or North America. Right. Yeah, with so many streaming services you guys subscribe to, it's becoming worse than than just having cable. <laughs> which was kind of the whole idea of cutting the cord. Yeah, it's it's the next uh, puzzle to be cracked, I think. You think Apple's on the right track for that? I do not think they're on the right track <laughs> at all. I think they're going to be yet another streaming service trying to compete in an yeah. already crowded market for subscriptions. I think they're probably going to have less content to start with than anyone or not than anyone, but than the big players. Right. Um, and I I mean, what needs to happen is they need to do what they did to music and just have deals with everyone and have all the content in one spot. Until someone can do that, uh, it's just going to be this tit-for-tat war for probably the next half a decade. 
Yeah, and I don't think Apple's in the same position to do that with video. They were with iTunes at the beginning of 2000. Uh, because at that point, pretty much everyone was getting their digital music by pirating it, and there wasn't a legitimate way to get video or audio content anywhere. And Apple offered an alternative to that, and of course gave them some leverage because we'll sell your stuff, but we're going to sell it at 99 cents and you're going to say yes, or you're going to be left out and pretty much forced everyone to say yes. Whereas now there's already video streaming services everywhere. Almost every even major uh, channel has their own streaming service now. So they have less incentive to hop on the Apple bandwagon. Apple and iTunes were so well placed to do the exact same thing to video because originally nearly everything was available to purchase, you know, episode by episode or movie by movie on iTunes. And then as companies have launched their own services and as companies like Netflix and Hulu have sprung up, content has left iTunes and iTunes is just sitting there still with its dinky little pay like $1.50 for every TV show you want to watch no one wants to do. If they had some sort of subscription service, maybe five to ten years ago then maybe we would have like an apple music of video yeah apple's uh kind of slow to streaming music i mean they were definitely late to the party in streaming music and they're even later in streaming video kind of taking the blockbuster approach of no we're the one place people buy things and that's not going to change and then this whole new convention of streaming music came out and they kind of had to buy beats to try to catch up to that and and now their approach to streaming video seems like they have no idea what people want. All I've seen from rumors so far is all this original content they're making, and I haven't seen one episode, one show of their original content catalog that sounds even remotely interesting to me. And I'd much rather have somewhere to find like basic shows that are on television than having to subscribe to Apple for their own original content. All I want is just a one true source of TV shows and movies that I want to watch. I don't think it's a big ask uh, from my perspective, but yeah, once it comes to the licensing, (laughs) then it certainly turns into this ginormous feat, which someone needs to do. And I don't see it being Apple because it's too late to do it. Yeah. Which is uh, too bad because used to kind of rely on Apple to do things like that. Now I think, I don't know. I would have said a company like Netflix is better positioned to do that, but even they are losing content at this point. So maybe Amazon, just because they already have the infrastructure set up and kind of the service already set up. If they actually wanted to put in the effort to try to reach across borders and get all this content on one platform. Uh, But I think we're kind of past a point of anyone actually trying to do that. I think there's possibly another contender for the title of video champion. Who's that? Who would be your second guess? I've got someone in mind. I mean, they don't offer anything like this now, but I feel like Google could do it. Ooh, no. That's... I was going to say Disney. Disney. All they got to do is buy everyone and they can exactly. have their own streaming They already own pretty much everything. Yeah. Well, that's uh that's big at the moment. If you if you're going to say Disney, then Apple is the exact person to make the streaming service because Apple and Disney have such a close relationship. 
Um, but Disney's working on their own, or do they have their own? I mean, it's not in my locale. Uh, yeah, that's right. There have been there have been uh, more than rumors. I mean, it's been confirmed they're working on something, but I haven't heard anything about it in a long time. Just know that they're making their own service. So you throw in Star Wars, Marvel, all the different movie studios. Fox, now that they're buying at, Fox. Yeah, Fox. And you've got this production behemoth. You know, you don't have to worry about making carpool karaoke to to draw people <laughs> in. You've got a few other yeah. um, contenders. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, Disney would be a really good bet if... <laughs> I mean, if they can't make negotiations happen, they just buy everyone up. And <laughs> at some point, the government's exactly. going to step in and say no. But yep. <laughs> and Disney's other advantage is that they have an international brand, whereas right. some of the others uh, not so much. Right. Uh, if they if they can get the technology side of it down well and make a good streaming service that works across all platforms, that that could definitely be a a huge contender. So one of the next rumors of the week is yet another AirPods 2 rumor. And yeah. also there's a little as with every AirPods 2 rumor that comes out there's like this little byline tacked on about air power. Uh-huh. So enjoy. <laughs> and so the latest one coming out is uh reported uh, the article's from 9to5mac but it's reported by someone else is that the AirPods 2 are going to have a specialized grip coating and then the air power uh, line is that it's launching this spring. It sounds to me like these AirPods are, rumors are true, are going in the direction kind of you were hoping for, something maybe a little better fit for both of your ears. Yep. Less of a, like a sleek plastic. Yes, well, it seems here they're like redesigning the shape a bit, but also, yeah, putting making them a little grippier so that even if the shape isn't perfect for your ear, they shouldn't just fall out. It takes like a hard hit at the moment to get AirPods to fall out of most people's ears. But imagine if the surface was like a little kind of matte-looking rubber instead of this smooth plastic. I mean, you'd have to get hit by a bus or something for them to fall out at that point. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting to me that the the comparisons that this uh, nine to five Mac article is drawing is to the to the the back of the Pixel three, kind of the textured soft touch glass. Um, I mean, of course, they're not going to make the AirPods out of glass, so it's interesting to me that they would try to uh, make that relationship. The other thing I thought was the texture of the trackpad on the Apple TV remote. Oh. That's kind of like a little slightly matte coating. Um, If that was also rumored to be on the AirPods, then maybe we get some sort of touch-sensitive AirPods. So you could, like, stroke your AirPods. (laughs) Stroke your AirPods down to turn the volume down, stroke them up to turn it up. Uh-huh. And Stroke the AirPods is definitely going to be the title of this show. <laughs> well, uh, you, uh, Dogmatron, makes a good uh, comparison here. They say um, it'll probably be the same coating and finish as the new Apple Pencil has. I haven't personally held it yet, but it does seem to have a grippier coating than the original 
Apple Pencil had, and the original Apple Pencil was very similar in finish to AirPods. True, yeah, that's a nice comparison. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty likely way to go with that. And AirPower launching this spring, so spring in Northern Hemisphere, I presume, is actually late in the year. Doesn't really match with other reports we've heard that AirPower is imminent, it's going to be out any day now, but uh, this might suggest... No, uh... <laughs> No, our spring is like a month. Oh, I've got it all backwards. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. All right. I'm going to edit that part of out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So your spring is my autumn, of course. Otherwise, your spring would be my spring if it was late in the year, and that's impossible. <laughs> hemispheres. So. <laughs> so spring, northern, autumn, or fall, southern hemisphere is actually imminent uh, within a, a few months. So, okay, that does match previous reports and take everything back. Uh, this article also has kind of the first mention that I've seen that uh, air power is going to be slightly thicker than originally intended, which makes sense to compensate for some of the overheating issues they've had. Uh, it also mentions that it could potentially have some exclusive features that won't officially be turned on software-wise until iOS 13. And I'm curious about what those could possibly be. Oh, man, what could they be besides fancy animations <laughs> when you put your phone or whatever on the mat? How much is a charging mat going to do, yeah? Maybe it's like uh, like a mechatronic or whatever you call it. It like wraps around your Apple Watch when you put it down. If it's got uh, like a bracelet that can't lay flat. <laughs> well, they've gotten away from those. Um, I mentioned earlier that they were kind of abandoning lugs that didn't match and i feel like kind of in preparation for air power they've also gotten rid of all the bands that can't be laid flat um like the the milanese loop uh previous versions of the milanese loop couldn't you couldn't pull all the way out so you always had the loop behind your watch but the newest version with the the new fourth generation apple watches or series four apple watches uh, you can pull the, the loop all the way out so you can lay the watch flat on its back. Okay, kind of like the leather loop. You could always pull that all the way through. Yeah, the same same thing. I feel like maybe they're trying to prepare for that. And they also, uh, I believe they discontinued the uh, link bracelet as well. Like they're still selling them, but at oh, a marked... did they? Well, they're still selling them on their store, but it was like at a marked down price, and it was at their, yeah. It was like on a different section of the store, not with the traditional bands. So I think they're trying to get their watch bands in line with their new charger. Just discovered the real reason AirPower's been delayed. It's because they've been working through that lineup <laughs> to make sure all their products are actually compatible with it. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't mind having an upright charger for my Apple Watch still, though. I really like using it as a clock at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Also, with the new AirPods, I'm excited to see they could potentially be coming in black. That's exactly what I was about to say. I think that's one of the most requested features since AirPods launched. I know that making white things black has been a bit of a trend from Apple, such as the uh, keyboard and the trackpad and whatnot with the iMac Pro. But the white headphones are so iconic that I just cannot cannot, uh, swallow this bit of news as being more than a rumor. I suppose I suppose that's true. There's it's a very iconic look. Um 
I I would prefer black just because they're more uh, subtle. But I guess that's probably the opposite of what Apple wants. They want everyone to know you're wearing their their headphones. That's right. It's so easy to see when someone's wearing AirPods. I mean, according to the subreddit, there was even a post about them being like a status symbol for uh, for younger generation. Status symbol and maybe even a a fashion statement at this point. I've noticed more and more uh, YouTube channels, like YouTubers, just wearing AirPods at all times, almost like they're a piece of jewelry or something, which is really interesting to me. Because it was, wasn't that long ago everyone was saying how ugly they were and they looked like Q-tips sticking out of your ears. <laughs> I would never have called them ugly, but I would never have called them a fashion symbol either. They're somewhere in between ugly and good looking. <laughs> if uh, he had any hair, Johnny Ive would be pulling it out right now. After all the time he spent trying to make the Apple Watch a fashion statement and everyone only wanted it for the sport features and they just makes these plastic earbuds, and now everyone's wearing them for fashion. <laughs> yeah, how much design did he really do on those? He just looked at them and was like, uh, let's just cut the wires off the current uh, AirPod, Air, earpods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now over to engineering. <laughs> but I do look forward to the dancing white silhouette, silhouettes with uh, black AirPods in, because they'll surely be the ads if, yeah. um, if black AirPods are released. I'd love to see that ad campaign come back. That was really uh really cool. When I uh had my first couple iPod touches and I would jailbreak them, I would set my uh my home screen wallpaper to that ad like playing in a little gif in a loop. Yeah, that has gotta be one of the greatest ad campaigns of the last fifty years. <laughs> or iconic at least. Still uh that and uh Thinking of big, big ads for Apple, there's definitely uh, the original, the early iPod commercials, and then also the I'm a Mac, I'm a PC ads. I don't think those ones have aged very well now that Apple has become a big player. It's hard to look back on them with the, you know, with the knowledge now that Apple is uh, dominant in the market. Uh, yeah, whereas the silhouette, I don't, it's. It's not really aging, I would say. I mean, it's it would still look good today. It still does look good. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess I kind of look through look at the ads through the eyes I had back when they were still running and these were they were, it was like right during their transition from PowerPC to Intel and at least in my uh hometown or where I grew up, uh Macs were rare, so kind of it kind of felt like something special to me back then. The next equivalent next year, it's going to be, I'm an Intel Mac. I'm an ARM Mac. <laughs> <laughs> There's an idea for you, for Apple. What do you think the chances are we see an ARM Mac this year? This year, I would be extremely surprised. Um, but I do also feel like it has to happen. So maybe next year. Yeah, I'd say no later than next year we're going to see one. What are they going to do? Release like an Intel Mac Pro this year and also like an ARM Mac? They haven't updated the MacBook recently. I'd love to see a refresh for the MacBook with an ARM processor. Okay, yep. But you think they'd have to do all at once instead of one by one? Uh, yeah, potentially. Um, 
I've seen, I mean, right now they're already shipping Macs with ARM processors in them, uh, like the T2 chip as just a, a coprocessor for the, the main Intel CPU. Uh, I think potentially we're going to see that flip sometime in the next couple years where the ARM processor handles the majority of the work, but they ship with a, a mid-range Intel coprocessor as well to handle compatibility. If they could do like a gradual transition like that, that would just be insane, say over three years for you know bigger and bigger ARM processors to go in and the Intel ones to get smaller and smaller and more on the sidelines. So maybe the first thing that we're going to actually see is Mac OS on ARM instead of you know, like, um, like real arm hardware on the Mac line. I'm, I'm quite out of my depth <laughs> when it comes to the engineering <laughs> of these things. Um, but that would certainly smooth over um, the transition period instead of just a hard and fast cut. I'm excited to see what happens. I think that could really rejuvenate the Mac line to have a fully arm computer with the uh, incredible performance of like the iPad Pro this last year, and then also so thin and light and fanless and uh, incredibly efficient as well. And we could probably go on for like 45 minutes about that, but <laughs> the, the next post and the last one some big news from Death Star lineup, a self post. Do some of you miss Touch ID? Do you miss Touch ID, James? Oh, uh, yeah, every day. <laughs> No, of course I have Touch ID on my current phones. Oh, your iPhone 6 has Touch ID? Yeah, I, Touch ID came in on the 5S. Oh, of course. <laughs> I was thinking of 3D Touch on the 6S. <laughs> no, it, yeah. I certainly could not use a phone without some sort of biometric login because typing in the password every time is a bit of a hassle. Thinking back to your uh, iPhone 10. Did you prefer the face ID or the touch ID now? Yeah, well, I think I'm in a unique position to actually pass judgment because I had many, many years on touch ID and then I had a solid year on face ID and now I've just gone back to touch ID. And I'm in a great position to pass judgment, but I don't think I can because both have upsides and downsides and I don't really mind which it is. Both both are great. Um, both have flaws. Um, well, I'll start with Touch ID. So the biggest flaw is sweaty fingers, and then it just doesn't work. And you're sitting there like looking at it, and it's trying to read your fingerprint, and it doesn't give you your passcode straight away. So that can be annoying. Um, the biggest flaw with Face ID is that the phone has to be looking at you. So the phone's sitting on my dash or it's sitting flat on my desk and you have to pick it up or, you know, get it out of the little um, air vent holder and point the phone at you. So that's the the biggest downside. But besides those, um, yeah, it's much of a muchness. Uh, I haven't jumped back and forth a lot. Uh, I love Face ID and I vastly prefer it to Touch ID. But that's only because in the, the few instances where I need to unlock my girlfriend's phone, I'm like, oh, I got to stick my finger on this on this fingerprint reader. That's the most inconvenient thing. It should already be unlocked just from me looking at it. 
but I'm sure I'm sure if I went back to a Touch ID phone as a daily driver, uh, it would it would go back to being uh, just natural, and I'd yeah, feel comfortable doing that again. Um, but yeah, I think I'm I agree with you that biometrics just on their own in any form is important to have, and I would hate to have to put a password in every time. Uh, but I'm really interested to see what they do with the next iteration of Face ID, Face ID 2 or 3. Um, they've already improved it on iPad Pro with being uh, orientation agnostic, which I was really happy to see they were able to pull off. I think we'll see that probably on the next iPhones this year and maybe even a wider field of view so they could be laying flat on a desk and still see you at more of an angle. And I think those two things would overcome 90% of the issues people have with Face ID. Like when the second and third gen Touch ID just got way faster and way more accurate. I remember it being quite a hassle on the 5S. Yeah, I would hope to see Face ID improvements with um, using things sideways. And the, fa- the, yeah, the field of view would be a huge one. If you could have it flat on your desk and still see your face or also on a dash in your car, the field of view would solve both of those problems potentially. And there goes... Any of my complaints about Face ID, although reading the comments on this post, there are a lot of people who wear masks or certain types of polarized sunglasses or reading glasses, where Face ID is just a hassle for them by comparison. And I wonder in some of these cases if they tried configuring their mask as a secondary face in Face ID, if that made a difference at all, or if there's just there's a point where you cover up too much that you can't set it as an alternative appearance. Yeah, when you've lost your nose and your mouth in a mask, yeah, yeah that could be tricky. What if you uh, you buy uh, like surgical masks with a cartoon nose and mouth oh, drawn genius. on them? This is a new market opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or how about just this? Uh, they need to make them clear. Oh, yeah. That might look weird. It could potentially work. But wait, what is it made from? I yeah. Mean, are they just a um, impervious plastic, or no? It can't be because then you would just yeah, that... die, <laughs> suffocate. <laughs> That's gonna be the top idea I've ever had. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't actually know if a material exists. Maybe a uh, a transparent man. I don't know. I don't know what those masks have to be made out of. Probably some kind of special medical requirements. I was going to say like a clear nylon, but I don't think those are going to keep disease or from spreading or anything. <laughs> so, Well, someone's probably working on it. So um, there's a market opportunity if you're listening. Yeah, either make figure out how to make surgical masks clear or just draw a face on them. Like a, maybe a photorealistic face it would have to be, but... But then anyone who wears that mask will be able to unlock your phone. <laughs> well, it's got to match the eyes as well. Right. I mean, when, when you look at, like, uh, mock-ups of how face detection works, it's normally something like a triangle between the nose and the eyes to, like, calculate distances. I'm sure it's a lot right. more technical than that. Um, but maybe just... Yeah. We know, What we need to see is an, an emoji printed on there. So, like, maybe put the pig or the chicken or something on the mask. <laughs> there you go um, anything else to say on uh, biometrics and touch ID uh, no I don't don't miss it enough for them to bring it back I think I think the better future would be just improvements on top of 
face ID instead of taking a step back. Yep. Uh, I'm all for that. Well, I am uh, James VDM on Reddit and on Twitter. And I'm Jelly Woot on Reddit and Twitter. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash the Apple Show. And we've got a new tier of Listen Live. So sign on up. I'm a. Uh... I'm curious what you wanted to know about my Apple Watch. Well, you've had it for a little bit now since we last spoke, so I was just wondering how you found finding it. Uh, I've really been enjoying it. Um, performance increase doesn't really mean much to me because I don't use it for anything besides just quickly glancing at notifications. Uh, but the new uh, Infograph watch face is extremely nice to have eight complications on, on one watch screen. So I've got... Basically, everything I'd ever want to take a glance at is right there on the face of my watch, uh, including one of my uh, complications is uh, a clock set to your time, so I can always <laughs> know what time it is over there. I don't want to send you a message or something. Uh, and the the timer on the Infograph watch face actually gives you like uh, a live timer on your watch face itself, showing you how much time you have left, which is really nice. Um, I like the expanded calendar where you can see like full description of your upcoming event. And then I've got a couple uh, controls like my uh, home app, a jump to my home app, and a jump to my remote to control my Apple TVs right on my watch face. So I haven't actually had to jump into like the main app grid in a long time because absolutely everything I need is right here on my face now. So those features were all basically present on the last watches, but never kind of on one screen, right? Right. Yeah, it's nice to have it all in one place. Yeah, that sounds really handy. It was always a hassle, either in the honeycomb layout for the apps or in the scrolling list. I mean, I had preferences for both at certain right. times, but it didn't matter which one. They both had their little hiccups and annoyances and slowness. I also decided I was going to uh, give a new uh, watch band a try, so I've upgraded to the Leather Loop, which is a style of watch band I have had yet to to wear and i like it quite a bit actually is that the one that kind of folds back on itself with magnets yeah it's like the milanese loop but just made of leather instead that was the very first watch band that i purchased so and yeah i had the one that came with a watch and then i bought that one and yeah it was probably my favorite i think the only downside was it wasn't like a sporty one so if there's any you know, action happening. Uh, <laughs> that sounds a like right. vaguely sexual. No, if there's any sort of like sporting <laughs> activities <laughs> happening, activities is a better word. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, you, you can't really wear that one because it it's uh, you know it does wear a little more quickly than some of the other like rubber and nylon bands. Right. I think my favorite band so far, and I'm really dis- disappointed they discontinued it, was the. Just the classic buckle. Uh, I mean, it was, it was just a regular classic watch strap, but they've stopped making them this year, so I can't get any new ones. Oh, really? I didn't know that. My theory is that they're attempting to make all bands work with all watches. Now they have these three different finishes the Apple Watch comes in, mm-hmm. and the classic buckle has the stainless steel lugs on the end, and it only ever came in just plain stainless steel. You couldn't get the lugs in space black or the new gold color. So if you wanted to wear a classic buckle, you basically had to have a stainless steel watch unless you were okay with the colors not matching. 
but now all of the bands they sell uh, have don't have the stainless steel lugs on them anymore. And I think that was their way of getting away from that. But what about the um, the loop? That's true. The two loop. the two actually metal bands still have uh, uh, the metal lugs, but they come in all three colors. So you can get the Milanese loop in stainless steel, black, or gold. Right. Okay. Whereas with they, if they did that with just changing the lugs, then there'd be like no end of options because every band would have every color of lug as well. That would be a nightmare to maintain. Right. I kind of wish they would just sell uh, like universal lugs on their own and you could put whatever strap you want onto those. But I know that would probably cost them money in the long run letting you use third-party straps that way. You could always turn to eBay. There's no end of like two-cent lugs on there for Apple Watches. Oh, are there? I've never actually looked for just the lugs on their own. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the last I checked. Yeah, have a look. Huh. I might have to look. Don't into come that. running to me though when you like when your expensive watch band like goes down the toilet because the lug breaks off. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd be most worried about is just not trusting them to hook on properly. So, and not even the band. I'd be worried about my whole like watch sliding off and going somewhere it shouldn't. Um. So the other pre-show topic that I had was that how much <laughs> I hate my laptop at the moment. Are more keys breaking? I think it was only. Uh, yeah, it's been less than three full weeks since i've had the entire uh, like bottom half of the laptop replaced for keyboard problems and two mm-hmm. keys just don't work at all these are keys on opposite sides of the keyboard got shift left shift and question mark or forward slash they're just gone like, what do you do at that point you just keep bringing it back over and over and never really get to a solution or well that's it what what do i do <laughs> I mean, they're certainly not going to give me a 2018 MacBook Pro, although I live in hope. But chances are I'm just taking it back every month and waiting the week and a half for a repair. So I think the only sane option is to sell it after as soon as I've had the keyboard repaired and go for somewhere else. Yeah. You just keep uh, buying a MacBook Pro and returning it during your wait period until you cost them so much money they're like well if you're gonna keep doing that we're just gonna give you one (laughs) i wonder if they take that into account when they're considering the repair options like is there a little customer history file like ah he's bought 16 2018 macbook pros in the last six months (laughs) maybe so this is what you need to do you need to just buy a wireless magic keyboard and carry it around with you everywhere (laughs) so i've seen photos online of people doing that all right or maybe i could even like use some masking tape or gaffer's tape and just tape it over where the (laughs) keyboard is currently (laughs) just don't close your laptop ever you smash the screen (laughs) and that'll also prevent the little um, hinge wire contraption from ever failing because the laptop's never truly closed anymore. Oh yeah, there you go. Two birds with one stone. <laughs> <Ba-dum>. <laughs> Whatever that sound effect is. 